We are on 1st John tonight. Let's just open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the chance to be open to hearing your words and opening to hear and understand your scriptures as we go through them. We are thankful that it shows us how to live our days faithfully and understanding and how to change our lifestyles. We ask thee to continue opening our minds and helping us listen and to understand what you want us to take into our lives in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, 1 John is kind of talking about we become victorious by renewing our thinking according to God's word. The more we understand God's love, the easier it is for us to become established with it and less than the enemy can take advantage of us. 1 John helps us to understand such important dynamics of the Christian life as receiving God's forgiveness, walking in light, and Jesus' power over the enemy. Understanding these truths empowers us to think as God wants us to think. Now we're going to go on meditate on the truths. meditating on the truths in 1st John is to transform your thinking. So we're always working on how to transform our thinking. So walking in the light. Do you want to be emotionally stable and consistently content? Then walk in the light, that is, live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, as he himself is in the light. Meditate on God's word and make sure your thoughts are in line with it. Stop concentrating on wrong things and start thinking. No matter what is going on in my circumstances, I am able to remain calm and loving while I trust God to take care of everything. Come into agreement with God in his word. Think that he thinks and says what he says. Will you ever falter in your commitment to think and say positive things? Probably, but when you fall, all you have to do is get up and begin again. So now we're on 1 John chapter 1. I am, I am writing about what existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the one who existed even before the beginning of the world, Christ, and the life and aspect of his being was manifested as we have seen as in the white witnesses, and testify and declare to you the life, the eternal life, who has already existed with the Father and was actually made visible to us, his followers. What we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship as partners with, and indeed our fellowship, which is a distinguishing mark of born-again believers, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so that our joy in seeing you included may be made complete by having you share in the joy of salvation. This is the message of God's promised revelation, which we have heard from him and now announce to you that God is light. He is holy. His message is truthful. truthful. He is perfect in righteousness, and in him there is no darkness at all, no sin, no weakness, nor imperfections. So what is God? Perfection. Yes. Right. He's the light. Yep. And his message is? Mm -hmm. Truthful, yes. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness of sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we really walk in the light, that is, live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, as he himself, in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. He with us, and he with him, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin in all forms and manifestations. So what keeps us clean? God, the word. And uh, it erases the stains of sin. What's the specific word? Blood. Yep, the blood of, Jesus. blood of Jesus. Blood. Okay. We're on First John. Okay. There's Bibles right there. May not be the same as what we're reading. Mm-hmm. If we say we have no sin, ref- refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves, and the truth is not in us. His word does not live in our hearts. If we freely admit that he, we have sinned and confess our sins. He is faithful and just true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoings, everything not in conformity or with his will and purpose. What what do we need to do for us to be sinless? We have to freely admit. Yep, freely admit and confess confess and repent. If we say that we have not sinned, refusing to admit acts of sin, we make him out to be a liar by contradicting him, and his word is not in us. So if his word's not in us, what are we not doing? Yep, all three of you guys are right. Exactly. Walking, whatever. So now we're on talking about a clear conscience. To have a clear conscience, people have two choices. Either they must not sin at all, or they need to repent of their sin and receive forgiveness when they do make mistakes. We grow spiritually and find them that we sin less and less as we mature. However, the Bible teaches that a little hate leaven affects the entire lump of dough. That means that even a little sin renders us in need of cleansing. Are we perfect? Absolutely not, right? We're never going to be perfect. It is great to be making progress daily, but I am also very thankful for the gift of repentance. 1 John 1, 9 says that we can admit and confess our sins and that God is faithfully to complete cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. What good news. She is only a problem if we refuse to recognize it and deal with it. It is spiritually and emotionally freeing to simply agree with God, take responsibility for our wrong actions, Receive his gift of forgiveness and ask him to help us do better. Jesus has already paid for every sin we have ever committed. The one we commit today and the ones we will commit tomorrow. When we admit our sin and ask for forgiveness, the blood of Jesus washes away the guilty stain and we can live before God with a clear conscience. What should we do when we get up in the morning? Pray. Pray. Yep. Dive into the word, dive into the devotionals, all that good stuff. As soon as we wake up, because that's going to help us have a better day. Okay, 1 John chapter 2. My little children, believers, dear ones, I am writing you these things so that you will not sin and violate God's law. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate who will intercede for us with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the upright, the just one who conforms to the Father's will in every way, purpose, thought, and action. And he, the same Jesus, is the prophetess for our sins, the atoning sacrifice that holds back the wrath of God, 
that would otherwise be directed at us because of our sinful nature. Our worldliness, our lifestyle, and not for ours alone, but also for the sins of all believers throughout the whole world. And this is how we know daily, by experience, that we have come to know him, to understand him, and to be more deeply acquainted with him. If we habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, teachings, so what should we be doing daily? Reading the word. Yep. And practicing that new lifestyle. Practicing the new lifestyle of being in the word, but also walking the walk. Right? Whoever says, I have come to know him, yeah, she can go get it. Whoever says, I have come to know him, thank you, but does not habitually keep focus on his precepts and obey his commandments, teachings, is a liar, and the truth of the divine word is not in him. But whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasures his message in its entirety, and in the love of God has truly been perfected by its completed and has reached maturity. By this we know for certain that we are in him. Whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior, ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself just as he walked and conducted himself. So again, we need to walk the way God would want us to walk, right? We will need to speak the way God wants us to speak. We need to follow his pattern so we can live our lives closer to him and build that relationship. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandments is the message which you have heard before from us. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true and realized in Christ and in you, because the darkness of moral blindness is clearing away in the true light. The revelation of God in Christ is already shining. The one who says he is in the light, in inconsistent fellowship with Christ, and yet habitually hates works against his brother in Christ, is in the darkness until now. So if we are always going to church, but we hate the other person, what good is that? Right. Well, what about um, helping those that are in need? Mm -hmm. I always put out when I need help, dealing with individuals. And this time I was very honest about it. I put out a picture of an ugly bed bug. And still nobody wants to help. Nobody. And I'm calling online. upon... Huh? You put it online? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, well, I've even talked to people in person, but nobody wants to... Um, Step up. Nobody, yeah. And these are Christians. They are. They go on missions. They they cook for the hungry and everything else. But then when I have somebody who's really, really in need, zip. So does that go for them, or is it just the situation? Um, because we're supposed to step out and help, whether it's a need. Um, we're going to provide service. Like and we need to do service and fellowship, and and so a, we do need to step out and help whoever is in need. But this is the fourth person, and Zip, Zip, she's losing her home. You know, she's blind. She can't do anything, and I have limited mobility, and nobody else is stepping up. Nobody else is coming, so it's seems like... <clears throat> 
you know, us against the world, you know. She mm -hmm. can't do anything. Right. And right, right now she's limited. thinking, you know, she broke one hip already and she thinks the other one's going to break, you know. And I've always been upfront and honest, you know, bed bugs are icky. <laughs> right, right. But they're no worse going into a uh, place in Guatemala that has a dirt floor that you have gigantic bugs crawling around and everything else, and you get bit and scratched, and but you're still out there loving and preaching right. the word. But here in your own backyard, so I, I really, really struggle with that, and. These are people that I've looked at as mature Christians, mm -hmm. and nothing, nothing. And maybe that's when ages get up and running, where we can help you find help to help you do that. Yeah, for now, because I used to work at a hotel, and the, the thing to do is tell her to just keep the heat on. It's going to have to be 114 degrees. That kills them. It kills, it dries them out and kills them. And then you'll have to um, either boil all the clothes in hot water, you know, and new mattress, etc. I know it's probably, you know, not something a lot of people can do. But it helps. But it helps. So tell her to keep the, the AC on, I mean the heater on, and maybe even the oven if, to crank it up a few more degrees. It's smart, but I don't know if the oven's going to be a safe feature because it's an oven. But it kills. It slows them down and kills them. That's um, about it. I've, I've dealt with bed bugs since I had them way back today, so I know how to get rid of them. Oh, okay. Um, Good. But she's diabetic. Oh. She's a hoarder. Oh, boy. So the heat cannot get down into where the bugs are. Oh, boy. And, yeah. Okay. Wow. How old is she? 65. Mm -hmm. You know, and... Where are you going to put her or what? It's not to me. I had to turn it over to uh, uh, adult... Adult protective. Yeah, but then the ding-dong, he came in, gave her a brochure and an application to fill out, and uh, she's blind. She's blind. <laughs> she can't do this, and she has no one here to help her. And he walks out the door and he's on vacation for a week. And then she gets notice from the property owner he wants his apartment back. And by law, he can do that. Yeah. Because it puts everybody else in a complex of risk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it's her life. I would call maybe the supervisor. Because it, they should always be leaving numbers to call if they're out of, you know, on vacation. He left his card, but she can't read. <laughs> but and you could. Yeah, yeah. And but then there's a different battle that goes on with there. You know, I've had it before. I'm um, no, I'm allergic to them. Um, and I put clothes in my garage. So that when I'm done, I go in and blow myself off with an air hose and change into a bathrobe, go inside the shower, you take a shower and constantly like this. And sometimes I'm over at her house two, three times a day. Right. I even asked somebody, hey, if you have a camping shower, let me know so I can hook it up outside. And can you help her fill out the application? Uh, we're going to do that tomorrow, and I'm going to try to do some stuff, but come Friday, the owner's coming in. So, so where are they going to put her? 
No, no. No, I'm trying to go around getting applications, um, different places to get her in, but regardless, um, we have to get rid of the bed, but we'll just go yeah. down there. Yeah. series that we did last week yeah to me there's no difference there that should not be in the way it right. should be about the love and the care and doing what we are called to do mm-hmm. it should not matter if it's here it in is. really a little hole in the mall or if it's in panama right, or in right. china mm-hmm. you know every place has their their infestations right, right they have their own you know people go to different places and their lives are threatened because mm-hmm. their social services Help, no, no. The caseworkers on vacation. It sounds like they don't help anyone. I, they don't. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're supposed to. Or I, I don't know. Right? I don't know. That's horrible. You have to have other people come in and help. And her sister's in house. 
She does not have a relationship with her son and daughter. Why? Because they know what she's like. I know. That's her story to tell. She hasn't shared it with me, so it's nothing to Well, I'm <laughs> sure they know, and they and they're not. No, I have I, I, I have talked with her sister today, and Carol's very very proud. Um, I don't know. And I, I do have phone numbers. I have her son's phone number. Um, but I told Carol I wouldn't call unless there was any. That I've got five weeks. And nothing. This has been going on for a while though, hasn't it? This is my third bout with her. But she is my fourth person. Three times over. Really? Yeah, and I told the property owner I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> the last time I walked out with bed bugs underneath my arms, I was just covered in bed bugs. Mm. You know, we're a lot of lavender. Lavender helps. Um, keeps my like Yeah, really good. Um, you're right. You've got the right point to this. I mean, you're following what this is saying. Is there any kind of agencies that help with that? Well, she's going to need treatment, for one, because moving her out of a place that she's hoarding in, that's going to put a lot of stress on her. And she's already got it. She's got a... Um, Sounds sad. Yeah. She um, has no primary care, hasn't been to a doctor in a year and a half. She is self-treating her diabetes. Uh, when I went over there last night, I made her... Um, test her uh, blood sugar, and it was 113. That's pretty low. But I've seen her when she's been at 34. Um, she can't have an ambulance go and get her for regular care. If you go to the emergency room and you don't have a primary care, they're going to tell you to get a primary care. So they can't help her? They won't help her. They will treat the immediate symptoms, but she's going to need a doctor. Can't get her out of the house. She's an upstairs floor, has 15 stairs to go down. I can't carry her. If uh, the paramedics come and get her, they'll take her to the ER, but then they'll send her home like they did the last time. Last time I was there to take her, this time I can't get her out of the house. And how do they take her back home? She was fairly mobile. Oh, okay. And then right now she's got a fungus throughout her whole body, and I know it's because of the It's in her mouth. Um, and people what does like, that mean? I don't know. What you know, the one place that you might want to try is NCHA at Sunrise. Sunrise, she told me that I won't take it back. Well, but NCHA is a, kind of a different. Does she got? Does she have Medicaid? Uh, she did have. She let it drop. She has Medicare. So uh, the form that um, the gentleman did drop off, we're filling out tomorrow um, to get her Medicaid back. Okay. But that could be. So NCHA might have a lot more resources. I mean, they're in some nice building, but they might have some resources <coughs> to help you. Because I can't do this on my own. I right. Can't. So go into NCHA and see if they can help you. What is that? They do all kinds of case management and 
helping, and I know they've been in to clean apartments. So there you go. So try that. And see. She's got Medicare, so that should still work until she gets Medicaid back on. But my frustration is just right here. Right. And I'm hearing that. But, I mean, it kind of goes back to, unfortunately, is God gave us the ability to make decisions. And so, even though some of us are trying to walk in the walk, not all, not everybody is going to walk in the walk. But they're pastors, they're elders. That's why I walked away. No, I, I started with it too. I don't, I don't get involved. I, I go and I leave. I went last night and go Friday for the rest of the community. But I get it. I don't, I don't either. I don't, because it's drama. It's drama. And I don't get in the politics. I get the drama. I don't get, I just, I don't. I leave. I listen to the word. I love the word. And I, I'm out of there. But this is so, so frustrating. It is. Politics. So, we are on 1 John 2.11. And I have some other ideas at the end. Okay. But the one who habitually hates works against his brother in Christ is in spiritual darkness and is walking in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, believers, dear ones, because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. You have been pardoned and released from spiritual debt through his name because you have confessed his name, believing in him as Savior. I am writing to you, fathers, those believers who are spiritually mature, because you know him who has existed from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, those believers who are growing in spiritual maturity, because you have been victorious and have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, those who are new believers, those spiritually immature, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has existed from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and vigorous, and the word of God remains always in you. And you have been victorious over the evil one by accepting Jesus as Savior. Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and he precepts nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh, and the lust and longing at the eyes and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things, those do not come from the Father, but are from the world. The world is passing away, and with it lust, the shameful pursuits and ungodly belongings but the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever. That kind of goes back to the whole situation we were just talking about. Children, it is the last hour, the end of the age, and just as you heard that the end thirst is coming, the one who will oppose Christ and attempts to replace him, even now many antichrist false teachers have appeared, which confirms or believes that it is the last hour. They went from us seeming at first to be Christians, but they are not really of us, because they are not truly born again and spiritually transformed. For if they had been with us, they had remained with us, but they went out teaching false doctrines, so that it could be clearly shown that none of them are are of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, one you have set apart, spiritually gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. All of you know the truth, because he teaches us, 
eliminates our mind and guards us from error. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie, nothing false nor deception is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed? This is the Antichrist, the enemy and the antagonist of Christ, the one who denies and consistently refuses to acknowledge the Father and the Son. Now this is people that know better. Like they know that God exists. These are not the ones that of the people that got, they do not know that God exists because they never heard of it or understood it. Okay. So these are the ones basically God is their get out of jail card. They can, they're believers. They say they've been saved, and, but they can do whatever. So what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whoever denies and repudiates the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses and acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, let there remain in you, keeping your hearts in the massage of salvation, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you too, will remain in the Son and in the Father forever. This is the promise which he himself promised us, which is eternal life. These things I have written to you with reference to those who are trying to deceive you, seducing you and leading your way from the truth and sound doctrine. As for you, the anointing, the special gift, the preparation, which you receive from his remains permanently, and you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But just as his anointing teaches you, giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit, above all things, that is true and is not a lie. And just as his anointing has taught you, you must remain in him, being rooted in him, knit to him. Now, little children, believers, dear ones, remain in him, with unwavering faith, so that when he appears as his return, we may have perfect confidence and not be ashamed, and shrink away from him at his becoming. If you know that he is absolutely righteous, you know for certain that everyone who practices righteousness, doing what is right and conforming to God, will has been born of him. So, again, we should be walking like he wants us to walk. There's going to be people that's not going to walk that walk. But we need to... Practice the righteousness to really be with him because if we worry about ourselves and the relationship that we have, then that's going to help us help somebody else. Trust the Holy Spirit to speak truth. If you're going to overcome insecurity, you will have to learn to cope with criticism. Are you a self-validating person or do you need outside validation? Outside validation is a continued need to have somebody tell you that you are okay. Self-validation is knowing who you are in Christ and being confident enough to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. When we hear from God, we often confer too much with people because we do not trust that we can lead by God. And accordingly, we feel that we have to first check out with others what we think God is telling us to do to see if it's valid. With the Holy Spirit in us, we do not need to consult or check it out with others all the time. Trust the Holy Spirit to speak truth to you to act on as you remain in Him. In the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory. Even though we don't need to re always rely on what others think we should do, we are instructed to be obedient to the Spirit without refusing counsel from others. There are those who are wise than who we are who have developed a deeper maturity in the things of God and a deeper understanding of God's word, and hearing from them at times is very helpful. 
I encourage you to have enough confidence in who you are in Christ that you can listen to others and be open to change without feelings that you have to agree with their viewpoint or meet with their approval. If you don't feel their suggestion is right for you, I believe that if we truly want to do the right thing, God will always keep us on the right track. And I think that kind of goes along with what we were talking about was if we're frustrated with people not walking the way we think that they should walk, how frustrated is God if we're not following his word and his guidance? You know, he's an awesome, loving God unconditionally. But I think he probably gets frustrated too a little bit. Yeah. You know, sometimes he probably wants to smack us every once in a while going, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, this is the path I led for you. Why are you all the way over here? Yeah. You know? And, but, I, and I think it's the same thing with forgiveness too. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, to not fully believe that you've been forgiven is to not believe in God because that is his power. Right. And when, you know, we say, okay, yeah, I know you forgive me, but blah, blah, blah. God has no idea because he already forgave you. He says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. You know, and that's the kind of sense I get for from forgiveness, and I learned that from my mom, but, like, you know, even my mom said, you know, once once I'm gone and you still think that you feel guilty, displaced guilt for other things you did to the family, sweetie, that's on you. It's not on me anymore because, you know, I've already forgiven you and you need to accept that. So you don't feel like she has, or...? I, I feel like she has, but I feel like I haven't accepted it because there's just so much things I haven't made up for. And I know that's like, I know that's, I could probably set myself up for a lot of failures, but at the same time, it's a driving force because I want to be worthy of forgiving myself. And you don't feel like you have, haven't? In a lot of ways, I have by walking the walk, you know, getting a job, not doing drugs anymore, you know, paying bills. But and don't, you know what? Always forgive, always forgive. But I think the other important part of that is to, thank you, is to um, let go of that shame and guilt from your past. Yes. Forgive yourself. Because God already forgave you, but you need to learn how to forgive yourself. And there is no condemnation. Right. Give her to that. Yeah. And that's where you're stuck. Right. Yeah. And we we all got a past. Yeah. It's easier done than... I know, but the, but the Bible talks about leave it behind you. What scripture talks about that? Leave the past behind. Yeah. Leave it. Bury it. Get rid of it. Yeah. Put your baby up. So you're learning. No, no, no. I, I, it, it takes time. It, it's, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I know. I know. I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to place in your heart, but. Um, it's a process too. Yeah. The shame know. and guilt thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I feel a lot of it is going to be like the action because I've said I would do so many things using or not. And I'm tired of that. And so what my forgiveness to myself looks like is action. And, mm-hmm. and you know, doing those daily devotionals in the morning and then just, I always have a good day, you're right. Like I always have a good day when I do, you know, all right, God, give me a prayer. And I just open up the book, look at the stack of cards. I'm just like, and it's like, oh my God, that one. Yes, let's do that. Right, right. And then I have a great day. And, you know, I just have to work on it consistently because I forget, yeah. you know, as an addict, I'm very forgetful. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. So, we have to remember Jesus came to defeat the devil. Right? As believers in Jesus Christ, we have authority over the enemy. Luke 10 19. And all we have to do is exercise it. Satan has power, but he has no authority to use that power against God's people unless we allow him to do so. 
He may come against us, but he will not be ultimately successful in executing his evil plans if we resist him while he is also maintaining an intimate relationship with God. Mm. Actually, Jesus already defeated him when he died on the cross. According to 1 John 3.8, the purpose for which Christ came to earth was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was successful and Satan was definitely defeated. So how can he still cause us trouble? Jesus destroyed Satan's right to do his evil work, but it is our responsibility to use the authority that God gave us and keep the devil in his place. We have spiritual weapons to defeat Satan, but they can only be effective if we use them. The name of Jesus and the authority it holds has been given to us as a weapon, along with the word of God, which is referred to as the sword of the spirit. We can use both of these in prayer and confession. We also have the cross of Jesus Christ and his shed blood as powerful weapons, and we should remember them when the enemy attacks us. Even the mention of the cross and the blood drives him backward. You are not a helpless victim of the enemy. You are a powerful and authoritative child of God who does not travel through life alone, but with Jesus who is himself a mighty warrior and the captain of God's army of angels. God's word teaches us to give no place to the devil. We can do this in a variety of ways, and simply heartfelt obedience to God is one of the most important. We do not have to live in fear of Satan because he is defeated and his works have been destroyed. All we need to do is remember these truths and be more aggressive against him than he is against us. What is the spiritual weapons? Prayer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Using the, word, the, word. the name of Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And the authority, because that gives the authority over Satan every to single tell him time. To get, get out. Get yep. Away. Yep. It's, it's wait, I think it, it comes from self worth, and I know it's probably a stronghold from Satan about like how I feel, how I'm entitled to feel worthy. Um, but to practice the authority that God has given us. Uh-huh. It's, new, it's a new behavior. It's a new behavior. You're absolutely, absolutely, absolutely no right. Thinking, exactly. Right. Yeah, and I'm just is, like, which is hard. And I'm just like, okay, let me raise my hand and say, I'm saying, can you just be quiet for right now? And you know what I mean? Like, if, if you just say that, like, mm-hmm. over the situation, over the stronghold, over the the behaviors that I've, I've been so used to, and to exercise that rite of passage, it's hard. It's such a weird tool. It's like Batman not using one of the tools in the utility belt. You know what I mean? Like the grappling hook or something. Right, right. And it just feels so weird. But, and then at the same time, it just feels so warm. I'm like, oh, I got that tool. <laughs> I sharpened it. I forgot to use it. Right, <laughs> right. And I think remembering to use his name, you know, like for weather or for that fear is use his name to rebuke that fear. <laughs> yeah. Because that is your powerful, that's your spiritual weapon, is using his name, because he's got the power to move a mountain. We do not, but he has the power to move a mountain. Right? Okay. So if we're using his name, that's giving him the, we are accepting his power to move whatever we're praying for. Okay. And it's not always going to be in our timing, and it's not always going to be our answer. But if you're using his name, things are going to come out better. Okay. I, I know some you know stupid things are happening or nothing's going well. I'll say like Satan, get out of here. You need to go. Yeah. Even if I drop something, or if I cut myself, or you know something, because 
I'm pretty, life is pretty simple, but there's some times when he tries to sneak in and, mm -hmm. you know, I think we all have that. Oh, you know? yeah. Absolutely. And it's just like, and sometimes I'm not nice at him. I mean, I tell him, you know, he's got to go. It's us losing our peace because of him. Yeah. But that's where he, helps that's, us lose our peace. And that's peace. where he, he brings it. Todd talked mm -hmm. about that last night, how perfect love casts out peace.
But I think it's the important thing is is we're walking a new walk and walking a new lifestyle, that cussing's gonna start diminishing. Yeah. Because it's not gonna fit into your spiritual weapons as well. Exactly, or my walk. Mm-hmm. Except when I stub my toe. Right, right, you know. Yeah. God's gonna show me Oh yeah. But I oh, think yeah. the whole thing to remember is picture Jesus on the cross. Picture him on the cross. Picture that blood on that cross, right? When you picture that, why wouldn't we use in the name of Jesus or in the blood of Jesus to help us grasp that concept, to grasp that relationship with him? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, another thing to mention, too, is like, okay, so I do I'm gonna watch American Gods again, but like all the gods are all into sacrifices and stuff because that's how it was back in the day. But for Jesus to have actually sacrificed himself to be the final and total sacrifice mm-hmm. is the coolest Big Brother thing he could ever do. Right. You know what I mean? It's the coolest thing he could ever do to just make it be. And he gave his life for us. He gave us his life for us to remove us of our sins. Right. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. It is. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God, chapter 8, and offending him by, or verse 8, sorry, by active disobedience, indifference, or rebellion, is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him. Not God, for the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who was born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character, remains permanently in him who was born again, who was reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And he who was born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he is born of God and longs to please him. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose, is not of God, nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother. For this is the message which you believers have heard from the beginning of your relationship with Christ, that we should unselfishly love and seek the best for one another, and not be like Cain, who was the, of the evil one and murdered his brother Abel. And why did he murder him? Because Cain's deeds were evil and his brother's was righteous. Do not be surprised, believers, if the world hates you. Remember how we talked about, we talked about it several times, is it should not matter to us who likes us and who does not like us. The only one we should worry about if we're good, gracious with is, Hi. yep. We know that you have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and sisters. He who does not love remains in spiritual death. Everyone who hates works against his brother in Christ is at her heart a murderer by God's standards, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know and have come to understand the depth and essence of his precious love, and he willingly laid down his life for us because he loved us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the believers. But whoever has the world's goods, adequate resources, and sees his brother in need, but has compassion for him, how does the love of God live in him? 
Little children, believers, dear ones, let us not love merely in theory, with word or with tongue, giving lip service to compassion, but in action and truth, in practice and in sincerity, because practical acts of love are more than words. By this we will know without any doubt that we are of the truth, and we will assure you our heart and quiet our conscience before him. Whenever our heart convicts us in guilt, for God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things, nothing is hidden from him because we are in his hands. Beloved, if our heart does not convict us of guilt, we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. And we receive him from him whatever we ask, because we carefully and consistently keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight, habitually seeking to follow his plan for us. This is his commandment that we believe with personal faith and confident trust in the name of Jesus Christ, and that we unselfishly love and seek the best for one another, just as his commandments he commanded us. The one who habitually keeps his commandments, obeying his word and following his precepts, abides and remains in him, and he in him. By this we know and have the proof of that he really abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us as a gift. So out of these three chapters, what are the biggest targets to take home with this week? Walking the walk. Yeah. And behaving as you do inside God's home and outside of God's home. Mm-hmm. And what about the spiritual weapons? Use them. Practice them. Yes. Understand you have authority. Yes. On behalf of Jesus. And yes. Father. Using it, walking it, speaking it. Absolutely. The three monkeys that say, um, here no evil, speak no evil, send no evil. We do them all. Yeah, we do them all. <laughs> do them all. Um, That's good. That's good. Right? Anything else? Anything else that you kind of popped out of? Okay.